everyone, and welcome once again to Dead to Rights, the podcast video for the crime genre industry. I'm your host, Donna Carrick, and I'm very grateful that you've chosen to come back and visit with us one more time for Season 4, Episode 84. So we're really getting up there. Um, I don't know what we're going to do when we hit the 100 episode mark. We're going to have to have some kind of virtual party for sure. Today, we're going to be speaking with a relatively new writer on the scene. Um, not overly new. She has been around short story-wise, but she also has a new series of novels uh, coming out set in Savannah, Georgia, which is a place that intrigues me and I know many readers. Um, it's just one of those settings that uh, really is a character. And uh, I believe her first book in that series is titled the meter's always running, so she'll tell us a lot about that, I'm sure. It's Carolyn Rowland. She writes under the name C.A. Rowland, and she has a story coming up in our anthology in the fall titled A Grave Diagnosis, and her story is The House of Elizabeth Dandridge. So she'll tell us a little bit about the inspiration for that story as well. And I'm really looking forward to bringing her on. And do watch for that anthology. Again, it's called A Grave Diagnosis. I'm extremely proud of it because it's got 35 stories by 35 different writers, all featuring an illness and a crime. So it is a crime anthology. I'm calling it um, 35 Stories of Murder and Malaise. So hopefully that will intrigue you and uh, please watch for that. I doubt we'll be able to have a, um, a physical launch party. If we can, we will, or we may defer that till the new year. But we'll definitely be having a virtual launch of that anthology and looking forward to sharing it with all of you. And now let's bring on Carolyn Rowland, C.A. Rowland to talk about her work. Uh, Hi, Carolyn. Welcome to Dead to Rights. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing just dandy now that we got all the technical things out of the way, eh? <laughs> oh, it's, you know, the technical stuff. It's always just like one tiny little thing will completely yeah. mess up everything in it. I know, but I love your virtual background. You're making me so want the beach. I just got back from the beach. Um, we had a family vacation and we decided to go and just be really careful. So I was down at Myrtle Beach and it was gorgeous. It was oh, really, really okay. wonderful. Were you able to social distance? You weren't having to fight the sardines or anything? Yeah, it was, um, surprisingly, it was not nearly as crowded as we expected. And Good. so you could, you know, we did all the things of wearing the mask out and, and, um, you know, all the restaurants, the servers wore their masks and we wore ours in and we went to the aquarium and all the families were wearing masks. I mean, people were being really good about it. Yeah. I'm going to call this season, this is season four, and I'm going to call it our COVID writer's life, like, <laughs> because, you know, it really is the season for it. And it's just, you know, it's just so unfortunate, but, but it is what we have to live with. So, you know, it is. Um, yeah. And it's, all about you know sort of being careful and trying to minimize risk and and yeah. be cognizant that you know you don't want to spread it to somebody else if you have it and you don't want to get it from anybody else exactly exactly and then the other side of that is when we are kind of uh, a little bit still locked down using our time using our yes. time to 
way we can, which segues nicely into you have provided a story for a grave diagnosis. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And oh, it's with the House of Elizabeth Dandridge. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask you to talk to our listeners a little bit about that story. And I was thrilled to be able to be in another one of your anthologies. Um, I love working with you guys. Um, and this story, um, I had started it, gosh, several years ago. I um, went to Transylvania for a horror writers workshop. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which um, was great fun. We did all the touristy things of going to Dracula's castle and all those things. But um, we were, you know, riding during the day and doing exercises. And um, this story came out of one of those where I was, I had the idea of sort of going from the picture of Dorian Gray where the house mm -hmm. takes on the, all of the bad parts of him while he stays beautiful to a house that sort of takes on the personality of this woman who dies there. Mm -hmm. um, and then just sort of, what would that be like if you moved in? Yes. And, and went from there. So, and it sort of morphed along the way, but it was great fun. And, um, and, and it turned out to fit your, um, you know, what you were looking for, for the anthology almost perfectly. It did. It fit beautifully. And it's quite a brilliant story. So everybody watch for it. It's called The House of Elizabeth Dandridge by C.A. Rowland. And um, it's just a really terrific story. I, I appreciated it so much. Well, thank and, you. You know, you, you touched on something there, too, where you were saying, uh, what if? What yeah. would happen if? And that's kind of the writer's um, uh, chant, isn't it? It really is. I mean, there are so many times where where I'll see things, and I've talked to other writers, where you just get this tiny little, either a bit of character or a place or something going on, and you go, oh, look at that, that's interesting, what if? And, and you just sort of riff off things. And, yeah. um, and it, it goes on to, you know, sometimes lead to stories, sometimes not, but most of the time it, it goes on to something that can be really kind of fun just to play with. Yes, and sometimes years later. Sometimes, yeah. many years later, I was on a plane in 2003. We were flying to China to, um, we were adopting our daughter. And um, on the plane ride to China, I was thinking to myself, what if a grown adoptee wanted to come back to China to find her roots? And that played with me for years, that whole concept. Oh. It was supposed to be a short story, and it ended up being uh, one of my earlier novels called The First Excellence. So Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, years later, it just suddenly grabbed me, threw me down, and said, write me, you lazy, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> but how neat that you're going to do something that's sort of pretty monumental in your life. And then it, it also triggers a story that mm -hmm. years later you end up, you know, it, it expands and grows as, you know, it sort of grows in your head mm -hmm. and that character becomes more real. And yeah, that's so wonderful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just love it. So thank you very much for that story. But you also have a novel and your novel is titled The Meter's Always Running. And it's set in Savannah, Georgia, and I believe it's the first of a series. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, it is the first of a series. I'm calling them the Haunted City 
uh, mysteries since Savannah has such a long history of ghosts and the Civil War and just all kinds of um, just the atmosphere there. Um, it's just a really fun place to visit and also I just I just thought it would be a wonderful place to have a story. Um, and I've been there many, many times. Um, I went down to go to a, a conference and um, usually I drive because I live in Virginia and I just drive down and I stop different places along the way. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was at the airport and I got into a cab with this woman who was just the biggest ball of energy that I've ever seen. Um, and she was a taxi driver. And she was telling me all this stuff and it was like what you were talking about on the plane. It was mm -hmm. like, I was, I just looked at her and I went, oh my gosh, she's such a great character. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, okay, well, let's combine her with a ghost. And that sort of was the genesis for having this lady taxi driver who um, has a newly dead aunt who is the, the ghost in the story um, have to solve murders. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Is it available now? Because I'll definitely look for it. It is. Um, it's out on ebook and um, paperback through Amazon and Kobo. I'm getting them up on the other platforms and they'll be up in another week or so, but it's definitely out there. And it's called The Meters Always Running. What a fantastic premise. Thank now, you. tell me a little bit about your taxi driver. Tell me a bit about her as a character. Um, well, she's a divorced mom and she's got a teenage daughter um, who has complicated her life in wanting to live with her dad instead of her mom and that's hard and so she's she's got some emotional things going on there. Um, she's got a boyfriend who doesn't play a huge role in the first one but will become more and more important as the series goes on since he's um, they've been dating for a little while and they will continue to date. And so that relationship will grow as well as the, um, the series. Mm -hmm. And um, then her aunt Harriet um, has her own problems um, on the other side that she's trying to solve on the earthly plane of a, a long lost first love that she's trying to find. Okay. So there's lots of relationships going on and, oh, yeah. and friend, you know sort of lines of trying to figure out things. Well that sounds like the kind of thing that readers just love. They really do love that. You've got everything, a mystery, you've got a couple of parallel romances going on, you've got a ghost, my god. <laughs> and then we've got Savannah which is such a <laughs> neat place anyway. Um, exactly, Savannah is a character in her own right, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I always remember uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. And uh, my husband and I are both fascinated with Savannah. One of these days, we're going to make our way there. You should definitely go. Um, I read um, that book a long time ago. And um, there are actually some places and some things where I know that they took place in that book. And so I sort of give a nod to it um, mm -hmm. so that readers will remember, oh, yeah, we read this when we read you know, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, um, you know, and, and a lot of the things that, you know, happened um, in that book, you know, if you heard about the ghost tours and um, the trolleys and all of those things, then you'll recognize, you know, Savannah in my book as well, because it sort of, um, you know, brings in the tourist trade and, and the things that people do and some of the fun places to go. Yes, yes. 
You've got a number of other short stories too out there. Uh, can you tell me a, a few of those and where they appear? Um, yes, um, there's a, um, a whole group of um, anthologies that are the Fiction River series. Mm -hmm. um, I have several stories in there and um, Pulp House Magazine. Um, it was a magazine that, gosh, it was around a long time ago and the editors on that, um, Dean Wesley Smith and Christine Catherine Rush have revived it. And okay. so I've got several stories um, that come out in different um, issues of that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then there's a few anthologies, you know, from my local writers group and then um, some publishers like Carrick, um, where I'm submitting stories to and they're coming out there, so. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I have an author's page on Amazon and I do have all of the anthologies connected to my author's page. So if someone's looking for where my short stories are, they can find it there as well as the ones that I'm self-publishing um, now. And so all they need to do is go to Amazon and look up C.A. Rowland, and that's R-O-W-L-A-N-D, and yeah. they're going to find all of the anthologies that you are connected with, as well as your own novel Yes. and works that are coming up. What are you working on now? Um, I'm working on the sequel to The Meter's Always Running. Which, See, I knew that. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be called Affair to Remember, mm -hmm. um, like A and then F-A-R-E instead of Affair. Mm -hmm. uh, so a little play on words and um, it's another one where um, the main character Trisha Reed has a group of women taxi drivers and they sort of abandoned together to help each other and to learn since it's more of a male dominated field and um, one of them gets in trouble and so Trisha's going to help her and okay. um, so, so it has conflict does it? I'm sorry? <laughs> It has conflict, does it? Oh, yes. <laughs> Generally has conflict. I'm just being a little sarcastic. I was speaking I, uh, with a fellow in L.A. the other day, and um, and he said something about one of his female characters was sarcastic, and I said, no, no, Gary, we are not sarcastic, ever. <laughs> oh, right. That's kind of like um, the the southeast. Oh, bless your heart. Exactly. Exactly. In sarcasm. <laughs> we used to watch uh, Mrs. Brown's Boys, the mm -hmm. Irish the Irish show, and oh. roar over it. If you get a chance to look up any old episodes, I really recommend it. And what she used to she would say um, because obviously she's not southern, so she didn't say bless your heart. She would say something along the lines of. Um, Oh, I wish I could remember. It would be something like, oh, aren't you sweet? Oh, aren't oh, you sweet? Right. <laughs> something like that, you know. Yes. And you know. Yeah. Just been yes. zinged. Exactly. <laughs> so now I know whenever anybody says to me, oh, aren't you sweet? I know to put my antenna up. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. Now, what drew you to the writing life? You look like you'd much rather just be on the beach. Oh, I'd love to be on the beach, either reading or writing. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. It's really um, not either or, is it? No, it's not. Um, it's it's both. Um, and I, I think it was just a love of words. And I started reading when I was really, really young. I was, I was lucky my parents really supported that. And we had, you know, libraries where we could, um, you know, check out books. And um, I don't know if you have in Canada... We had like the bookmobiles 
that came around in the summer and it was like a, a van that was a mini library and you could go in and they would come down your streets and you could actually check out books and then you brought them back. And so we had a constant stream of, of being able to read. And um, so I've always liked that. And I think I've always written, uh, you know, even as a kid, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things where it just felt like that was a part of me. So. Yes. Yes. So you've got to actually utilize it. Otherwise you waste your life because when something is meant to be, I mean, you just have to do it. So, well, and it feels like there's a part missing, you know, like you can be really busy, but it still feels like there's something there that you need to be doing that you're not. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's that creative literary outlet. Um, it's mm. so, so important in genre too, guys, not just in <laughs> oh, Definitely. <laughs> There's lots so, of really good male writers out there. So yes. 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 Now tell me about your, um, uh, tell me about your, your connections with the, the sisters in crime. Um, well, I think pretty early on when I started writing mysteries, um, I knew about Sisters in Crime and um, I had joined the organization and then I found out about the Guppies, which is basically the great unpublished, although there's lots of um, published authors within the Guppies. Mm -hmm. And um, I got more involved in them. Um, they're completely online and they had a lot of resources for writers because they have, um, they have classes where it's a discounted cost. And mm -hmm. so you can take a lot of really super classes with some really good teachers at a cost that, you know, doesn't break the bank. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it says sisters in crime, but it's sisters and misters, um, just for the males in the audience. That, the you know, chapter there's no discrimination there. Um, and so I've, you know, as I sort of moved along and was able to take advantage of those, but also have um, the support of a lot of the other writers who were down the road further than me, I decided that, you know, giving back was important. And so I became mm -hmm. a member at large and I've, you know, helped with critique groups and all kinds of other volunteer pieces of the organization. Um, it's so important, you know, it really, it really is. Um, and they do an anthology. So it, it helps a whole lot of writers get their first writing credit. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm, I've rotated off the um, board, but I'm still doing some volunteer things for them and, and just continuing to you know, be a part of that organization because I think it's so important. That is really terrific, Carolyn. Thanks for telling me about that because um, writers out there, as you progress, it is important to give back, I think, you know, and mm -hmm. you know, you never give without getting more back. Right. That's the thing. Every, every writer that I've gotten to know, whether I've helped them or whether they've helped me, they've all remained friends. You know, there hasn't been one that, you know, we haven't, we haven't stayed friends on some level and it's just been wonderful. And that is, you know, sort of an added bonus to it. Um, the other um, piece that I found is that um, it gives you um, some people to talk to when you go to a conference. Because yeah. you talk to people online and you can plan to meet. And it also sort of gives you a connection that you're not just sitting in front of your computer typing out words. There are real people out there and you can actually meet up with them and talk to them and, and do that in person 
and then bring that home with you. And, and many of them share your worries and many of them share your accomplishments. And mm -hmm. it's just a wonderful thing. You know, it makes the whole thing fun. It does. It, it's so much better to be able to have somebody say, oh, yeah, I did it too. <laughs> but now, of course, we have no conferences right now because this is the year of the COVID writers. So, <laughs> so yeah, we're so online. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing the Zoom thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's just about everything. Thing. That's right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> and I can see that, you know, you can take Zoom anywhere, even on the beach, right? Wink, wink. <laughs> well, you can. Um, I really like the virtual backgrounds. <laughs> I do, too. I do, too, because my 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 uh, office is um, in my home, of course. And, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and because it's an office, it's a fully functioning working office, it's a little bit cluttered. So, you know, I like the virtual background, too. You know. Oh, mine is really spick and span. Oh, is it? <laughs> That's why I have the background. Way to go, Carol. Yeah, right. <laughs> no. I can totally relate to having a, a bit of a mess of an office. So. Yes, yes. You know, it's the, it's a, a clean office is the sign of a, um, a, an insane mind, though, right? I That's think that's why. Right. I say, yeah. It, it has to be. <laughs> but when this COVID restrictions lift, what are you going to do? Are you off to any conferences? Are you booked in for anything? You know, I'm not. Um, everything is pretty well canceled. Um, there's a local conference that's, um, it's called C3. It's Creatures, Crimes, and Creativity that's in um, Baltimore, Maryland. Mm -hmm. And I had signed up for this year. It's usually in the fall. And so we've rolled our um, registrations over to next year. So I know I'll be going to that. And um, the other local is Malice Domestic. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll probably try to go to Malice. Um, since where, where is, so what, what city is it in? Because a lot of my friends go to it. Um, that's in Baltimore as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and C3 actually is in Columbia, Maryland. It's near Baltimore, but mm -hmm. uh, Malice is, yeah, it's in Baltimore, so. It's, it's a good conference, um, and it would be fun to see everybody, so I'll probably try to do a couple of the local ones where I don't have to get on planes. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least for unless, until I see whether that's going to be safe or not. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm just in a holding pattern myself, but I mean, yeah. uh, our kids, the youngest one has just graduated from high school this year, so oh. I'm thinking now maybe I can justify getting out to conferences when this lifts, mm -hmm. maybe starting mm -hmm. late 2021 or something. You know, I don't That's think, right. can. I mean, even our anthology, I don't think we're gonna be doing a physical launch this year. Oh, really? Yeah, um, it will come out in the fall. I'm not gonna delay it, but I think it'll be a virtual launch and we may follow it up with a launch party later. It just doesn't look like by October, things are gonna be that open and, and uh, going strong here. So, hmm. well, that's too bad. Yeah, we'll see. But we're playing it by ear, like everybody, you know. Yeah. If things are like they're open, and and uh, the bookstore where we like to do our launches, it's um, here in Toronto. It's called the Sleuth of Baker Street, and it's just one of those wonderful places. Um, a little narrow. It's quite a big store actually, but it's narrow, mm -hmm. and it's just filled with books. Oh, so wonderful. there's no social distancing possible. Yeah. It's just not possible. So we'll have to see how things go. Yeah. 
Are, are your authors for the anthology, are they all over the world or are they mostly all over North America? I don't think I've got any in the, in the um, UK or uh, Europe this year. Um, oh, I do. I do have a UK oh, author. Cool. All right. All right. Maybe That's even soon that I stop and think of it. So yes, international, definitely. I, I know I've got a couple from the US, a lot from Canada, obviously, mm -hmm. because they hear mm -hmm. about me first. So, you know, but uh, we're getting word out and we're starting to get more and more authors from all around the place. So That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It makes it fun. It brings different outlooks. It's funny because when I read them, I can almost tell, not with certain <laughs> But I can almost tell where the author is from. I'm getting to that point. You know? <laughs> well, that's really interesting because I know that we use different words sometimes or we have different ways of saying things, but to the point to where you can actually tell whether an author lives in like the States or in Canada or yes. UK, that's- Some will fool you. I've got a couple of, um, a couple of Canadian authors who are, are really good friends of mine and uh, they are both from South Africa. And if I didn't know them as I know them, I would not think they were Canadian. I would think they were South African reading their work. It's just fascinating. It's fascinating. The different terms of phrases, the different things that are important to authors based on their geography. Yeah, I have, um, I have a really small critique group and one of the women um, is from South Africa originally. And well, I'll read some of her stories and every once in a while there'll be a phrase that jumps out where she describes like a cabinet in a different way than we do. Mm -hmm. And at that point it, you know, it's like, oh, that's because she came from South, you know, from yeah. South Africa. She, yeah. you know, she uses that and, and it's not completely Americanized at this point. So I could see where some of that, it is interesting. Um, yeah. And it's, she has a South African character. So you know, I'll so be, I don't will. understand yeah. this, but if this is South African, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> because, is, yeah. And it expands us when we read it because I never thought of saying it like that. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's great fun. And they're, they're wonderful characters. If you get to know them through this anthology, you'll, you'll just fall in love with both of them. One is Lisa De Nicholas. Mm -hmm. uh, her story is called Love Thy Neighbor. And oh. the other is uh, Kevin Thornton. Kevin P. Thornton, he writes, says, okay. and his story is called um, Hypochondriacs Don't Get This. He's just Ooh, an absolutely great title. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Anyways, Carolyn, I'd better let you go, but I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Dead to Rights. It's been a real pleasure having you on, and seeing your background has lifted my spirit. <laughs> No That's great. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been a real pleasure and I can't wait to read the other stories in the anthology. I think it's going to be just um, great fun. It will. It'll be a knockout. I'd like to thank Carolyn Rowland, who writes as C.A. Rowland, for joining us today on Dead to Rights, the podcast video for the crime genre industry. And as always, I send my thanks to Ted Carrick, our family musician and composer, who provided the theme song for Dead to Rights, as well as for story stalking. And the music is titled Eyes of Gold. I'll play it as you leave, and I'll hope to see you next week. Thank you.
dusty road, a man alone. His vital signs go on hold. And I don't know what you've been told. But the years have turned my eyes gold. And I told you what you told me. We'd never be in the same boat for free, yet it rides, let it ride.